The Vegas Golden Knights are on their way to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Welcome back, everybody, to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is technically your August 18th, 2020 show, even though my clock now says August 19th. But whether it be today, tomorrow, tonight, whatever it may be, the results right now is the same. The Golden Knights are on their way to round two after finishing off the Blackhawks in five games tonight. Welcome back, everybody. I am Danny Webster. I am your host. I appreciate you stopping by for today's episode in which we will be discussing every element that we can possibly find on how the Golden Knights were able to win game five by a score of four to three and advance to the second round. Time to be determined. Opponent to be determined. This game was a bit of an interesting one because I think it had every element that you could find when it comes to a playoff hockey game. One, it had deja vu because it literally was the same outcome from game four as it was to game five. You had Corey Crawford making ridiculous saves. You had the Blackhawks jumping out to a 2-0 lead, and then you had the Golden Knights responding with a huge goal in late in the first period to make it a 2-1 game after 20. The only difference here is that finally, after peppering Corey Crawford with so many shots, the Golden Knights were finally able to break through. But before we jump into that, quick refresh for the first period. Jonathan Tays scores on the opening goal at 10.32 of the first period off a uh, rebound from Dominic Kubalik's shot to make it 1-0. About eight minutes later, Alex Debrinkat puts, puts Chicago up 2-0 after... Chicago had about three or four guys in Robin Leonard's crease before finally putting the puck in the back of the net after a ridiculous passing display and a ridiculous uh, amount of offense from that line that was very good in that shift. But the Golden Knights respond with 31 seconds left when Max Pacioretty scores his first goal of the playoffs in his third game of the series, and the Golden Knights are down 2-1 to one heading into the second period which completely changed the narrative I thought of this game because, yes, Chicago did respond after Mark Stone scored 31 seconds in, or 57 seconds in, I should say. I'm looking at the wrong numbers here. When Mark Stone scored 57 seconds in and the Golden Knights finally put another puck past Crawford, I think that's when the dam started to finally break. It would be a little bit more difficult after that when Patrick Kane literally walked in all alone on Robin Leonard and scored the backhand through the five hole and put Chicago back up three to two, but the Golden Knights finally did something that they had not done through nine attempts in this series, which was score on the power play. And of all people to score on the power play, that would be Alec Martinez putting a a one-timer from the right circle right over Crawford. And it is three to three. Ironically enough, yesterday when Jonathan Marchessault was at the podium uh, discussing the power play, He said he wanted to get more out of his unit, and turns out they got a lot more out of that unit, scoring the first goal in 10 tries on the power play. So the Golden Knights would take a 3-3 tie heading into the third period when when all of a sudden the third line decided to wake up, even though they had a pretty good series overall. They woke up in the scoring department when Alex Tuck scored. Actually, it wasn't even the third. Actually, you know what? I retract that wasn't even the third line it was Alex Tuck jumping off the boards taking the feed from Jonathan Marshall and you got a big boy coming at you toward the net and using his power moves to put the puck past Crawford four to three Tuck would have had a second goal 
had Nick Cousins not been called for goaltender interference because that goal would have been pretty sweet, both on the feed from Chandler Stevenson and the finish from Tuck. Blackhawks could not do anything left offensively for the remainder of the game. The Golden Knights ran out the clock and won by a score of 4-3, to three, and your Vegas Golden Knights are on to the second round for the second time in three years. Now, when I look at how Vegas performed overall, a couple things stick to mind throughout this series. Number one, obviously they were the better team. It, it doesn't take a lot to see that if you're putting on that many shots and you're eventually going to score at least, what, three goals on, f- what, three different occasions in this series, four goals actually on three different occasions in this series, you were bound to find a way to beat Corey Crawford at some point. And really, the whole thing with peppering the opposing goalie on shots has been a theme, really, since the St. Louis game in the round robin. Uh, Because I think Vegas had, what, 39 shots on goal against Jordan Bennington, and they found the net five times against him, including an empty netter, I believe. So what, was it six goals? Actually, no, it wasn't an empty netter. They scored the sixth goal before they pulled the extra man out on the ice. The, The way that I look at it from this standpoint, Vegas was clearly the better team. But they just ran into a very hot goaltender. And I, and this is why I've always thought Vegas is going to be the team to beat anytime they get into the playoffs, especially in year one, if they were going to get the production for Marc-Andre Fleury, as well as year two, which they did get the production for Marc-Andre Fleury and had things not happen the way they did last year, who knows how deep of a run they could have gone on. This year, The Golden Knights ran into a very tough goaltender in round one, and they were able to do just enough defensively to neutralize the Blackhawks for just enough time out of 60 minutes, and they were able to get good goaltending themselves. The second thing I want to say here, Robin Leonard, I believe, has earned himself the dubious number one spot for good on this team. Leonard was fantastic in all four appearances he was in. Yes, one of those was a loss. Yes, one of those or two of those starts ended up in him giving up three goals. You break down the tape and you look at it at the end of the day, especially in the goals tonight, not really Leonard's fault. And, you know, I'm, I, I look at Twitter, guys. I see what's going on. I see people talking. I don't know if it's sarcasm or not, but people really have a hard time coming to grips with Robin Leonard being the number one starter in net for Vegas. And I I get the whole diplomatic idea of going between Flurry and Leonard, but when you have got Leonard going the way that he is, and he's what, uh, was he seven and one now in eight starts with Vegas? You, you know, you know that if you've got the better option right now, unless he falls off a cliff in the next round, you know who you're going with in round two, barring a back to back. And you know who your guy is going forward. Now, I know a lot of people don't like that ideology, but that's just the way it is. Right now, Robin Leonard is going to give the Golden Knights a better chance to win. And I know we can say that Flurry played well in Game 3 and all that, but realistically, if we watch Game 3 back, there are about three goals that should have been had for Chicago. And whether they be Flurry's fault or not... It could have been a different outcome in game three had things bounced a different way. So 
as far as the goalie conversation is going, as far as the goalie conversation goes right now, it's completely shut. Robin Leonard has been good. He's been good enough. Now I'm sure he'll be tested in the next round, but I will be very interested to see next round, especially if he goes against St. Louis, which is now a possibility with the blues tying their series against Canucks two to two. If he faces the blues, I want to see how they, how they react because Vegas shut them down in the round robin game, which again may not be a big sample size, but the Blues now going to be without Vladimir Tarasenko, and we haven't seen Robin Leonard in net against the Blues with this Golden Knights team. I want to see how they, I want to see how they fare, and I want to see how they play. So, consider the goalie conversation at least to me completely shut, at least for now, unless Leonard falls off a cliff and you have Mark Andre Fleury to go back to. Right now, there is no competition. He's one. Every game he's been in, he's gotten great support, and he's looked very good doing it. And I think at the end of the day, like I talked about earlier last week, that's really all that matters. If you get your goaltender enough support, you're going to win. Would Flurry get enough support? I don't know. Sometimes he has, sometimes he hasn't. But Robin Leonard is the man in the crease right now for the Golden Knights, and that's really the way that we should be looking at it. The other thing that I want to point out, I think there should be a new top pairing, top defensive pairing in the Golden Knights as the the group that should start every game with the fourth line, and I think that should be Alec Martinez and Shea Theodore. Those two have become really one of the more dynamic pairings in the playoff field with Shea Theodore taking his ascension as to one of the best defensemen in the league, and Alec Martinez is a great buoy a buoy, I should say, Get, figure out the words later on. He's a great compliment to Theodore is what I'm trying to say. And the way that those two play off each other and the way that they are able to feed off one another and both have sneaky, good offensive. Well, Theodore, we know about his offense, Martinez, sneaky, good offensive instincts as well. The way those guys can play off each other. It really is fantastic because after what we saw in this series, I do have some questions about Braden McNabb and Nate Schmidt, which we will discuss in just a little bit. But first, guys, rockauto.com, proud supporter of the Lockdown Podcast Network and a proud supporter of this show in particular. You know, we talked about Rock Auto before, how important they are to these current times when we need that part that we can't find at a regular auto parts store. No matter where you go, you can't find it, whether it be accessories for your car or whether it be, you know, a simple taillight, maybe a brake light, maybe something that just isn't there and you can't find it and you need it right away. The folks at Rock Auto have got you covered. The family-owned business of over 20 years, Rock Auto continues to be such a nationwide awesome place to get your auto parts anytime, anywhere you need them. And whenever you go to rockauto.com, all you have to do in the little box that says, how did you hear about us? Just type in Locked On, or better yet, type in Locked On Golden Knights because they will take care of you either way. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. And as a reminder, friends, just in case you need to follow the show on Twitter, if you'd like to do that, you can do so at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter also at DannyWebster21, or you can send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. 
That is greatly appreciated. All the support that you guys are showing the show is always very appreciative. So I mentioned beforehand that I wanted to discuss Braden McNabb and Nate Schmidt, the normal top pairing for the Golden Knights, and how I mentioned that Martinez Theodore might be the top, the new top pairing. Which, I mean, at the end of the day, when you look at it, it doesn't really matter. When you're rolling three pairs like the Golden Knights are, you don't really need a number one, a number two, number three. You can start whoever you want. It's just for the last three years now, the starters have been Braden McNabb and Nate Schmidt. And they're really supposed to be your top lockdown pairing. When you look at the three in general, McNabb Schmidt is supposed to be your top lockdown pairing. They're supposed to be the ones that take on the top lines, like the McDavid line, maybe Dreisaitl. You know, in, in this situation, it would if it were a few years ago, it might be the Taze line. It, there, you put that group together, that duo against the top lines in hockey, basically. And the Golden Knights, with the way Pete DePore deploys his starters, going fourth line and third pair, or fourth line and top pairing, there can be room for mishaps, so to speak. There can be room for not playing well, especially when you're not put out there with the skill that you need to be a good top pairing. And usually, when you have your top pairing, you want them with your top line. In the case of this series, it really didn't matter who the line was that was with McNabb and Schmidt. They were just not good. I believe that they had allowed, what, six goals while on the ice together at five on five in this series, and they allowed two tonight. That's not good. And the way that they happened, I think, was most alarming to me. And this has really been a thing if you go, if you go back to the round robin. If you go back to the first goal that David Perron scored in that game, how did it happen? A turnover by Nate Schmidt in the Vegas zone. How did the first goal happen tonight? Braden McNabb couldn't clear the puck. It was turned over. And by the time Chicago had the puck, they had, again, two guys close to the crease and Jonathan Taze left one-on-one with Robin Leonard. You're not really going to get good results out of that if you're the goaltender. The third goal, the Patrick Kane goal, was again another turnover by Nate Schmidt, who was intercepted. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Debrinkat who got the interception. And actually, no, it was Drake Kajula who got the interception and just found Kane all alone. He got past the defense that kind of messed it up for them. And he scored easily. And to me, when you need your lockdown pairing, you can't get that if they are just turning the puck over like that. And it, it was a... It was a common theme for the better part of this series. Just Schmidt and McNabb did not look good together. Now, huge credit, I think, should go to Pete DeBoer here. Because at any point in this game, he could have split those two up. He could have tried something different. He could have tried really anything to get them going. But credit to Pete DeBoer for leaving Nate Schmidt out there for eight and a half minutes in the third period. They shortened the time from the third pairing of White Cloud and Holden, and they let McNabb and Schmidt stay out there for over eight minutes. To me, that was a huge trust in coaching, knowing that they have had a very rough game. They're really the reason why that Chicago's even in it. Vegas should be dominating this game, and Pete DeBoer throws all the chips at the table and goes 
top four for pretty much the entire game. And that to me, I think was a great sign of coaching and a great sign of Schmidt and McNabb not giving up during the game. And I know it sounds cliche. You don't want players giving up in a game, especially in a three, three game in a potential elimination game, but you want to see better from that top pairing. And, and, and I know it sounds ridiculous that you would want to go away from that pairing, but I mean, Martinez and Theodore both offensively and defensively were fantastic in this series. They, they were, I think, I think Martinez was a plus seven. I think Theodore was like a plus six or plus seven at five on five in that series. And then Theodore, obviously with four goals tied for the team lead and Martinez getting a couple of points here and there. And of course the power play goal tonight, he has made a huge difference as well with Shea Theodore. So, I mean, whether or not you choose to start McNabb and Schmidt going forward, I really don't think it's going to solve anything, but as we get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, and especially when we're looking at a potential second round series against, say, you know, you know, uh, St. Louis, um, maybe a Vancouver, you know, that's a possibility. If Calgary can rally and win the next two, it'd be Calgary. But depending on who you play, you can't have these mistakes against these teams that you know you should beat. And St. Louis isn't going to be a pushover. Obviously, the defending Stanley Cup champs. But given how Vegas and St. Louis have played each other, you know, even in the round robin and dating back to the final two meetings in the regular season, you can't give St. Louis many opportunities. And if you give them enough chances off turnovers, off odd man rushes, off, you know, whatever, they're going to come back to bite you. The same can be said for a young team like Vancouver, who has benefited greatly on getting those extra chances and has benefited greatly on having those opportunities in front of the net. You can't give a team like Vancouver any confidence of that. And you can't give a team like Calgary who's reeling right now and has had to rely on goaltending to get to more to where they are. And especially if you were even to advance in the second round and go to the conference final, you definitely can't do that against Colorado. You absolutely cannot do that against Colorado. So you look at that from that standpoint, if you can get better play from those two you're pretty much playing a perfect series at that point. Vegas played all but a perfect series in this round. I mean, obviously, game four, it was a complete abomination. Not an aberration probably is a better word for it because there's no way you put up 50 shots and Corey Crawford is saving 49 a second straight time. He almost did the way that the first period was going, but more than likely, it's not going to happen again. So to me, McNabb and Schmidt need to play better. They've got to be more protective of the puck. They've got to not try and make as many plays. And I and I know I know it sounds crazy, especially with a Pete DeBoer coached team, that you don't want your defensemen joining into the play as much. But if Schmidt and McNabb can dial it back a little bit and be the lockdown guys that they can be and they can be for that unit, then I think they're in good shape. But until that happens. That's why I think Theodore and Martinez should be starting every game because you're already going to use Theodore 25, 26 minutes a night. Like that, that's already a given. You're already going to tax him with the power play, some PK maybe, but you're playing him 24, 25 minutes, maybe 26 minutes a night in some instances. Shea Theodore is going to lead your team in time on ice. There is no question about that. But to me, you want to get that extra production you want, you can from a Nate Schmidt, or you want to get that extra production that you can from a Braden McNabb and the limited offense that he can provide sometimes. But 
if you don't get that, then you at least need them to be locking down in the other end. You can't tax them as far as throwing them out there against top units. And if they're not performing offensively, then they're going to shut down defensively, which is almost the case happened tonight. Had they not made those two turnovers for those goals, which again, were not Robin Leonard's fault. Again, I see Twitter. I see where it goes. You can't blame Robin Leonard for any of this. He played well. You just, if you give him enough opportunity, you're going to know if Robin Leonard should not be giving up goals. You're going to find out very soon how much you can blame Robin Leonard. You're going to find out very soon how much you can actually blame the people in front of him. It doesn't take a lot. So if those two can play better, the Golden Knights are going to have a more complete defense because I think Holden and White Cloud have been fantastic. You're going to have a more complete defense with those guys locking down other teams' top lines, maybe their top six. If you get that from them, then the Golden Knights are too tough to beat. So they just got to play better. Flat, flat, simple. They know that they got to play better. And I'm pretty sure that Pete DeBoer probably went into them after the first period and then after the second period. But again, DeBoer trusting them in the third period to lock down Chicago after taking the lead early in the third. That That's great coaching. That's great trust in your players. And really, I think that that's that could be a turning point for Schmidt and McNabb, knowing that they probably did too much. And they're going to have a lot of days in between now and round two to kind of address those problems. So I'm not too worried. I'd be more worried if this was like a round two series and they were still doing this kind of stuff. But overall, they just play better. We know what they're capable of. We know how good that that pairing has been and we know how good they can be in the playoffs. So it should be very interesting to see how DeBoer handles that going forward. But I wouldn't be too worried, but I think it's something to look out for in the coming, uh, in the coming round, I should say. All right, one more look around the league before we get out of here. I know because it is a late, late night right now um, in terms of where we are in this, uh, in this plethora of playoff hockey. Uh, we mentioned the Dallas Stars now up 3-2 to two over the Calgary Flames. You know how the Stars can go from five goals on like 50-some-odd shots to two goals and shutting the Flames down to only one goal. One was a huge testament to how much they missed Matthew Kachuk. The other one is because Anton Kudobin was fantastic. And Kudobin, I don't want to say he's stolen the job from Ben Bishop, but if if Rick Bounis has a combination there in terms of goaltending, I think they're going to be fine. And if they can ride the wave of goaltending to the second round, that's going to be a huge blow for Vegas because I think they'd want to see Calgary. I think they would want to see Calgary and face Cam Talbot. And they want to face that team that's a little bit banged up right now. So, to me, that that that's my own thinking there. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers a two to nothing victory over the Montreal Canadiens. Back to back shutouts for Carter Hart, and you know it's just so tough when you're playing a goalie like Carter Hart, and now he's playing right now, and you're playing a Flyers team that is so relentless and so aggressive, and you can't score, and you're a young team in the playoffs, and it's showing. Ever since Montreal put up that five spot, they have not been able to respond, and that's really unfortunate if you're a Habs fan. But the Flyers are who the Flyers are, and they're about to probably win this series soon, if not next game. So uh, the Flyers, they are dangerous, and they are probably the team to come out of the East. That's going to be very difficult for a lot of teams to deal with. Uh, the Washington Capitals staved off elimination 3-2. to two. The final score, Alex Ovechkin with the winner in the third period. I'll tell you what, I thought the Islanders, I mean, what, they got out to a 2 nothing lead, and I thought it was over, but the Capitals finally showed some life. 
They got back to playing Washington Capitals hockey, which again, without Nicholas Backstrom right now is pretty tough. But the Capitals hung on. They lived to see another day. I don't know if it's going to last another day, but the Islanders, they're still in command in this series. A great, great deal. Uh, I thought there was another game today. I don't think there was. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you watch so many games over and over and over again, you feel like you've seen them all, but you apparently you haven't. Uh, tomorrow should be a load of fun. Blues Canucks game five. The series now tied at two. The Lightning can close it out against the Blue Jackets, which makes this host very, very sad. And the Hurricanes need a win to stave off elimination against the Boston Bruins, who have now uh, taken a three to one series lead without Tuka Rask which I think says a great deal about this team and where they are at at this moment. Uh, third, oh, and Avalanche Coyotes. Colorado has a chance to end that series as well against Coyotes. The, the Kachina magic ran out in game four. Uh, the minute those three goals in the first period went in, oh, man, that was rough. I feel so bad for Coyotes fans. They had a chance. They had a team. They had something to get excited for, and then, Colorado comes out in game four and just mops them like just flat out mop the floor with those Kachina sweaters. And I, and I am so sad for that, but Colorado showing who they are and they are on, on the verge of making round two as well. So a bunch of teams can advance to the second round, which is where the golden Knights are at this moment. So as far as what we, we got some time to kill. I mean, I'm I'm just saying we got some time to kill between now and the second round. You look potentially according to the the, uh, the key date calendar, Vegas could be off for another week, maybe even longer if this goes on any further. If uh, if because you got to figure out one, if Colorado will uh, eliminate Arizona, if that's the case, and that narrows the field down to Calgary, St. Louis, or Vancouver. And then with Vancouver and St. Louis tied at two, they got another game to play later in the week. So they they might have some time to find out who their opponent is going to be, especially if Calgary comes back and makes and turns it into a seventh game with Dallas. So we got some time to kill here. And I think what we're going to do for the rest of the week, I think we're going to analyze the potential opponents going forward. We'll find other things to discuss on this pod as well. And I'm definitely going to look at getting some guests as well. Also, uh, huge news out of the Locked On Podcast Network. We have come with come to an agreement with a streaming company that will allow us to do live shows going forward. Now, live shows sound like horrifying death to me, but if that is something you'd be interested in, please let me know and we will try it out for maybe once a week. I was hoping we could possibly do something like during a game, but I don't think that's I don't think that's feasible at this point, especially since we have to be in a certain time limit. But uh, I'll I'll look into it, see what we can do. If you would like to do a part, uh, like if you'd like to hear me do a live show, uh, please feel free to let me know, and then we can like take questions while we're on the air. We can do a Q and A. We can talk Golden Knights. We can do whatever we want to do in this situation. So let me know if that's something you would like to see from this podcast. I'm looking to get a couple guests on as well later on in the week. Should be a lot of fun. And that will do it for me tonight, everybody. So thank you all for downloading, sharing, listening, subscribing, all that jazz. 
is greatly appreciated. Again, follow us on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. If you want to send an email, LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com is the place to do that as well. Again, all your support, my friends, is greatly, greatly appreciated. And we will be back tomorrow. I'm not sure with what yet, but we'll be back tomorrow because we, again, we got some time to kill. So until tomorrow, today, technically, because it's now August 19th, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of Locked on Podcast Network, and I will see you later today. Have a good day.